Welcome to Tech Junior. Hey everybody, welcome back. We have a special show today. We are talking to Howard Salter, who is a bootcamp instructor, uh, was actually Eddie's bootcamp instructor, um, and a you know developer himself, as well as a former soldier uh, in the U.S. Army. So uh, we talked to Howard about his experience becoming a developer, and then a soldier, and then a developer again, uh, teaching code bootcamp, and kind of being a, a senior developer in the market in Orlando today which uh, is a pretty interesting discussion. So we hope you enjoy that. Uh, if, you support, if you want to support the show, please go to our site at techgr.dev and click subscribe. Uh, tweet us at TechGR Podcast, leave us a review, tell all your fan, friends. Blah. Anything you can do is greatly appreciated. All right, uh, since I'm tongue-tied, I will let you get on with the show. Welcome to Tech Junior. My name is Lee Warwick Jr. I'm a full-stack JavaScript developer, and I have with me, as always, Eddie. Hey, it's Eddie, uh, front-end guy. <laughs> we have um, we got a special guest today. We have Howard Salter. So, Howard, if you could uh, introduce yourself. Hi, I'm Howard Salter. <laughs> Are you looking for a little more than that? Yeah, but we'll get I, to it. Okay, <laughs> cool. Um, Howard is a, uh, a, a boot camp instructor, was actually He Eddie's. was my teacher. Yeah, Eddie's instructor. Yeah. So, um, <clears throat> Howard's also a... Uh, a web developer himself and a podcaster. So uh, I'll let you say all that stuff, uh, Howard, if you want to go ahead and get a little bit more in depth. Sure. So uh, why the heck would you have Howard on your podcast? Um, well, okay, <laughs> let me give you a little bit of my background. Uh, I am a boot camp instructor, as Eddie already admitted. Eddie, I appreciate that. Uh, you didn't qualify that in any way, shape, or form, and that makes me feel good. Um, I'm also a full-time, full-stack developer, uh, in addition to teaching. And I have been in web development, specifically in web development since 2012, but I've been writing code off and on since 1995 in some, uh, old school compiled languages like Clipper. Um, the first iteration, what they call now ASP classic, which is not compiled, of course. Um, and and I've been in and around technology, except for I took about seven years off to go shoot guns and blow stuff up in the army. Um, and that brings us pretty much to where we are today. Cool. It sounded like you, you started your career as a web developer in 95 and then worked for how many years before you decided to go in the army? Um, I went in the army in 2005. So from about 10 years of, of programming, I did some, that ASP stuff was just a portion of it. Uh, I did Informix too, uh, which is another server side scripting language like PHP. Um, and mostly it was Clipper for the first three years. And that kind of launched me into some of the other stuff. In fact, I got a job because the guy that I interviewed with, the head of the uh, IT department, saw Clipper on my resume. Now, this is in 2000. And he said, I can't believe anybody would still put that on their resume. <laughs> I was going to say, I don't even know what Clipper is. So. Yeah, neither do I. So do you know what DBase is? Nope. Nope. Okay. So there was a, there was a database package, if you think along the lines of uh, Fox Pro or Access, um, that was, well, you probably don't even know what Fox Pro is. Yeah. Do I don't you? know what other of those things are either. <laughs> Microsoft access, you know, access oh, database. You never oh, yeah, yeah. Okay. So Vaguely. Microsoft access 
is to Clipper kind of like what um, what GoBots were to Transformers. If you uh, oh. if you go that far back, they were <laughs> Access was kind of like the generic little brother that wanted to be a database um, language and database driven. Where Clipper was the actual uh, programming language that went along with DBase, and DBase was this kind of prosumer level database engine that um, you know, small businesses would use to write their own type of applications and whatnot. So uh, I learned that working for a friend of mine who launched his own software company, uh, and our software was based in that language. So uh, he kind of showed me the ropes and taught me some really good concepts of of programming, and those translated later in life to all of the other languages that I've used. That's cool. Okay. So what uh, what spurred you to drop basically that career or put it on pause to join the Army? Um, you know, I, I'm a fairly patriotic guy. So uh, when 9-11 happened, I was, um, I was in technology. I was writing software, and I got kind of incensed over the whole thing and joined up just a few years later. Um, took me four years to figure out how I could go from making a programmer's salary to making a private salary. Um, <laughs> but we, we kind of, we whittled it down and we got there and I joined the military. Um, and, and I think every developer in the back of their mind always has this need to do something completely different than what they're doing. I, I don't know. Maybe I'm the only one, but I, I, I felt like that's why all these guys play call of duty, right? Because they want to, get into this kind of world where you're you're doing something completely different and it's physically challenging where you know you can meet the mental challenge of logic development and and subroutines and whatnot and all the things that go with programming uh, it's just a different aspect of the challenge and so meeting that physical challenge really appealed to me in that time and I'm I was feeling the patriotic push and and so I joined the army and did a bunch of crazy things there. Okay. I mean, I can kind of wrap my head around it a little bit because I was a firefighter and that's a, not the military, but paramilitary. So, uh, it's public service. It's this whole protect and serve mentality. Um, and I did that after coming out of college and being in academia and a uh, very kind of like bookworm type of lifestyle. So, uh, it makes sense. Um, I don't know if, if Eddie could relate. Yeah, uh, I was just going to say I don't relate to this at all. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so maybe was an know, different strokes for different folks. Yeah. <laughs> Wait a minute now. Eddie, who was an artist, yeah. who had this cre total creative thinking path going on in his mind, somehow made the flip over to logic oriented, and you don't get how we could want to do something completely different? Well, okay, I get that part. Uh, I guess it's it's the the danger aspect to what you guys did that I, that's fair. Yeah. That's, that's a little scarier to me. Um, but yeah. Okay. I, I, you got me there. Yeah. I don't know <laughs> if I could do uh I can do fire, but I don't know about gunfire. I think that would, that would take it to the next level, but uh, yeah, it's kind of a whole different world. <laughs> yeah. I would imagine uh, the fire has never shot at me. So I, I really can't, <laughs> I wouldn't want to be a cop. Like I don't want to do that. Um, it's yeah. not for me, but, uh, so yeah. Um, Went in the army, uh, served. Thank you for your service. Yeah, um, thank you. And then got out of the army. So uh, I guess you did it for the minimum of four years, and then 
Or did you did you serve longer than that? Or I served. Uh, so my initial contract was for five years, but I ended up serving seven years there in the infantry. And I was stationed in a few different places in Washington State and Georgia. And uh, even I did a combat deployment to Iraq. And uh, I was in Korea for a little while before I got out. And then, yeah, those are so we got to be all over the place. Um, I was living in Georgia when I signed up. So when I got out of basic training, which was like two hours from where I lived, they were like, hmm, let's see how far away we can send you without actually sending you to another country. And so they sent me to Washington State. Oh, wow. And, uh, yeah, it was a crazy deployment. We met a lot of great people there, um, not just not just soldiers, but good people in the Pacific Northwest, you know. Um, it's It was, you know, for a kid who grew up in Florida, who all my family is from the South, Georgia or West Virginia, um, to go to Washington State was like, how, how, how diverse do you want a culture change? Well, that's as about as diverse as you can get. Yeah. I know there's a, there's a sweet tea joke in here somewhere. Like, <laughs> right. You ask for tea up there and they're like unsweet, sweet. And you're like, no, give me a tea. You know, what, you know, what is that? <laughs> no, the worst thing was air conditioning, man. If you can believe that. Air so in Washington, yeah. In Washington state, they don't believe in central air. So yeah. where, you know, we grew up here, I grew up in a house with no AC over in, on the coast in Brevard County. And so in the summertime, it was windows open, ceiling fan on high, and hope that you weren't stuck to the sheets when you got up in the morning. <laughs> um, in Washington State, they're like, well, it only gets over 90 for a couple of weeks a year. And I'm like, yeah. And for a couple of weeks a year, I'm going to have the AC on and running. <laughs> <laughs> so I bought like five window units out there and put them all. And people drove by our house and would stop and be like, why do you have all these ACs? Cause I'm from Florida and I hate the hot. <laughs> yeah. They've, they've kind of got this. Uh, so when I was in college, I did a, <clears throat> this is way off from development, but <clears throat> I did a year in Japan as an exchange student and they have the same mentality of like every room has its own like window unit and uh, it has like a little remote and you turn it on or off. But the, you know, during the day it's like, they don't run AC in the house. It's right. if you're inside and you feel hot and you're in this room, turn that room's AC on, which is a pretty big, culture shift for me being from Florida where it's like, I feel like I'm melting if I'm outside, you know? <laughs> right. When you walk in the door, you expect that frosted air blast, right? Yeah. But if you don't yeah. get it, you're just like, if it's the same temperatures outside, you just kind of melt a little more. Yeah. That, uh, that feeling of walking outside and immediately getting like that moisture on your upper lip kind of thing. Yeah. <laughs> right. Like right to heck with that. But, uh, so yeah, what, uh, you did seven years and then you decided like that was enough or what What was the thought process? So I joined late. I joined at 29 and at 36, you know, they say for every year you spend in the infantry, it's like seven years outside the infantry. So, you know, I felt like coming out, I was 36, but my body was like 50. Uh, <laughs> it was just my body was breaking down. I'm trying to keep up with these 18 year olds that I could be their dad, um, <laughs> literally could be their dad. And it's, uh, it was, it was a really physically challenging job as you would imagine. So when the time came to reenlist, I was like, no, I'm good. And then the other <laughs> thing is in the military, I realized that they promote you based on your time and service. You have to screw up to not get promoted. So I'm working for guys in the military who are, you know, pretty high ranking E7, E8 that I could buy and sell on the outside. I'm like, if, if we're not in the military, you're serving me French fries. 
and I've got to take <laughs> orders from you. You know what I mean? So it, it became a very, um, it became just kind of this, I, I started to get a little, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Jaded? Yeah, jaded. That's mm-hmm. a good word. I started to get a little jaded and and I just, uh, my body's breaking down and I, and I just, I'm not keeping up like I was and I'm not making rank fast enough to not have to do all the stuff. So I just said, you know what? I'm, I'm done. I, I can't keep doing this. And so I got out and luckily enough for me, a friend of mine said, Hey, I know you've done some web work before. We've got this application. It's written in PHP. How fast can you learn PHP? And I said, I could be coding tomorrow. It might not look pretty, but I could be coding tomorrow. <laughs> and so I learned PHP. I did a Linda course on, I did two Linda courses, the basic and the advanced PHP course on Linda. And um, <clears throat> in about five days, I was screwing code up in maintenance mode for this guy, this poor dude. And <laughs> it's a good thing he was my best friend, because if he wasn't, I probably would have been fired at least five times in the first six months. <laughs> So uh, I just jumped in and I learned, you know, on the job, I learned all this. I had a jQuery. Oh, my gosh. If you remember in 2012 what jQuery looked like and all the nasty overhead that it has now, if you think it's bad now, think back to 2012. It was awful. So trying to learn jQuery and promises and all on my own and, uh, and struggling through all that just so I can put food on the table and I'm taking you know, I'm taking the salary of a guy who has zero experience in the web world in 2012. So pretty much nothing. And uh, it's it was a tremendous experience for me. It launched me into the career that I have today. But it was almost as bad as going through basic training. Do you uh, I'm sure the answer is no. But do you regret like the military career where you kind oh, of look back not. and say like, well, I could have been you know, developing this time or I'd be like, you know, managing my own company or something like that. No, not at all. I don't, I don't regret what I did in the military at all just because having been, okay. So I was infantry, so it's not like I was behind a computer or, you know, serving in the food in the cafeteria or, or, you know, working on vehicles, which all those are great jobs because they support me as the infantry. I need somebody to serve me food before I go back out on the battlefield. I need somebody to make sure my vehicle's still running so that I can go and run over the bad dudes. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, being infantry, we got to my direct efforts contributed to the success of the mission. So, and I, when I say the mission, I don't mean just like what we were called to do, but we nailed down our sector. We kicked people out that were trying to do harm. Uh, and we fought, you know, face to face sometimes, rooftop to rooftop against the guys who were trying to do bad stuff. And so even, you know, seven years and the broken body parts and all the hard things, uh, I'm confident that there are children alive in the villages that we patrolled that would not have been had we not been there. And, and you can get into the debate about weapons of mass destruction and all the political crap. I don't care. There are kids that are alive today because I was there to protect them. And that's all I care about. So I, I'm not, I don't advocate anyone going to war or being forced to go to war. But if you feel like that's something you, you should do, then you should do it. And, and don't let anybody tell you you shouldn't. 
I'm, I'm not passionate about it at all, if you could tell. Um, <laughs> but the best part of the military experience for me, though, seriously, the best part was learning how to do leadership well and learning how not to do leadership. Yeah, so that, have, that was going to yeah, be my really question good. was, um, what did you take out of that and then apply towards your you know, programming career? I got a couple of good tattoos. You know? <laughs> um, the, the leadership aspect of the military, just the concept of doing a monthly one-on-one where you say, hey, so last month, here's some things we were supposed to accomplish. Um, how do you felt like you did? All right, where did we miss the mark and how can we not miss the mark next month? How much different would a developer's life look like if you had a lead developer on your team who sat down with you once a month and did that? I mean, that that alone, just to keep you oriented on your career path, would be a tremendous, tremendous bonus to working in an environment where you're already doing cool stuff. But if your leader walks you down to your career path, come on, man. I know guys that would kill for that right now. Yeah, I would say that, uh, and I'm sure Eddie can chime in on this. Um, you have to take charge of your own career as a developer, and you kind of work for a company, but that company is not going to necessarily invest in you the same way that you would invest in yourself. Yeah, um, where I work now, we have um, we have coaches, um, but it's really on the uh, protege's part to really take advantage of that relationship. And uh, kind of push it forward and really use it to your advantage to kind of push your career forward. Um, yeah, I think um, yeah. you can kind of like get away with just doing your tickets and going home and not really yeah, yeah. In- investing beyond that, right? Yeah, but yeah, it's on the person to like really take hold of that relationship and like really make it work for you. Yeah, 100%. So I definitely see what you're talking about, Howard. Uh, that would be a amazing thing to be a standard for the the programming world yeah and we kind of have that relationship in some teams right you have that one team leader who you can usually look around your company and find him because it's the team that everybody wants to be on because he's the one team leader who who cares almost more about the people on this team than he does about accomplishing what he's trying to get done they're probably pretty even in importance to him so when you see that guy in your company and you're like, man, that's what I want. I want that. What we don't usually do is turn around and go, how do I become that? And that's really the, that's really the question. The thing that, that drives me as, as an instructor is I want to be the instructor that my students want. When my students are like, man, I don't know what boot camp you went through, but my instructor, he hooked me up with all the inside info on interviewing, on how to sell myself instead of sell my skill set, you know, stuff like that. Um, that's really what I look for when I'm teaching uh, in the boot camp. Yeah. So since you mentioned it, uh, how did you get into teaching? Uh, well, um, teaching, I actually had the recruiter for the organization reach out to me and we had about, I don't know, a gosh, probably an hour long phone call, our first phone call. And this is, I think it's pretty early on in the program for the university that I teach for. Um, they, I, I think I was probably one of the first five instructors they probably hired. Uh, so they're, they're kind of getting their feet under them. The recruiter calls me, we have about an hour long conversation and he's like, 
I don't need, you don't even need to go through the technical stuff. I'm just going to get you straight to the, the manager that you need to talk to so we can get you in a classroom. He was really <laughs> impressed with my ability to talk the talk. And I guess that's more important as a teacher than it is to actually sit down and code out a super cool <laughs> project in, in an hour or so. So I went, I, I moved along the interview process really quick and, uh, got into the classroom and thought I knew everything. And, and Eddie will probably tell you that I did not. <laughs> so, uh, I've learned so much. I'm, I've, I'm on my, I'm on my fourth class now teaching. I'm teaching my fourth class. Um, cool. and it's, I look at how I teach now and I look at how I was teaching back then. And Eddie, I'm sorry. Yeah. Please forgive me. You, you remember to turn the mic on now? <laughs> yeah. See, no. So I'm doing online classes now. Uh, okay. So it automatically records everything. And they're like, Hey, you know, you can pause that during the breaks. And I said, I can't because I'll never take it off pause. <laughs> That's awesome. So, uh, yeah. was Eddie's class the first one that you taught? I think I it think was right. Eddie's was the yeah, yeah. I think his was the first class that I taught for that uh, for that institution, and so um, it was man. Oh my gosh, so much! I wish you could see me in action now, man. You'd be like, man, how come I didn't get that guy <laughs> back in my class? Because yeah. there was a lot of stuff. I, you know, to be honest with you, Eddie, I went back and I listened to some of the episodes, going, I know he's going to say something about his instructor. <laughs> I need to know what I'm walking into here. He's about yeah. to grill me or something. No. So I, it was I'm doing uh, okay. It's fine. <laughs> well, okay, to be honest with you, and since probably nobody else from our class is gonna listen to this, you were you were probably one of the top five students in the class. Oh because cool. you already had an idea of how this was supposed to work with that kind of graphic design background. So you had a little bit of understanding of how um, how those, how the, the different areas work together. Right. So, um, did you tell them about your project? Have you talked about, I your brought it up project? a couple of times. I've been, so his, we're teaching maybe. a class where, where people are like, they don't know anything about technology. We go from zero to junior web developer at the end of the class. Right. So Eddie, at the end of the class, turns out this product where you can take a picture and put it on a mug or a pillow and then buy it. So you can design your own little cool piece of merch and then buy it right from his website. He So when other people are making like, oh, here's my little database of all the funny things my kids say, here's Eddie <laughs> with a viable e-commerce project at the end. And I went, it wasn't all for nothing. I've got at least one. And at the end of that class, the my manager um, was like, this is the best project in the class. Talking about your project, Eddie. Oh, cool. Nailed it. Yeah. Eddie is, yeah, you did. Eddie is speechless. You did really well. Um, the class that I just started, I, I'm a little concerned cause I've got like six guys that are like, well, I'm currently doing web development on my own. I've built five websites, but I need some kind of education, uh, that's more formal so I can sell myself a little better. And I'm like, oh. <laughs> those are the guys that I hate. Uh, not, not that I hate, but those are the guys that really drive me crazy because they're not willing to learn new concepts. Uh, okay. And so when you're getting in the middle of CSS and they don't know what Flexbox is, but they're not paying attention because they're already trying to do the homework uh, in class. And you're like, listen to me about Flexbox. You need to know about Flexbox. Wait, did you just say something? And you can see their face <laughs> on the screen that they're just, you know, 
hardcore typing, right? Typing away and reading and typing and reading. And you can tell the ones that are watching funny videos because they laugh a lot when you don't tell jokes. <laughs> so you're like, real. this this is, and, and I'll reiterate when I know I've got all their attention, like when we're coming up to a break, and I'll put the break slide up that they can see. So they all kind of look up and go, oh, we're going to get a break. And so that's when I'll be like, uh, you missed what I was saying back here. You need to not take a break. You need to stick around during the break and I'll go over it again. Oh, wow. And of course they don't. <laughs> yeah. But it sounds uh it sounds like the online teacher role is kind of rough. Maybe maybe a little rough to command the attention of the classroom. It's a little bit harder. I enjoy the in-person class because I'm kind of an animated guy and half the fun is watching a big fat guy jump around the room. <laughs> so it's easy for people to watch me be animated and and at least I get their attention that way. And if they get some of what I say in that process, because you got some that are just locked on, like if I don't make this thing work, this is the end of my life. And then you got some that are like... Uh, I, I, I just can't do this. This isn't going to work. Uh, I need to go back to underwater basket weaving. Um, <laughs> those kind of people and that you just have to kind of encourage. We had one girl, I think it was in your class, Eddie. We had one girl who, in fact, I know it was in your class. Um, she was ready to quit at before the halfway mark. She oh, was really? like, I just can't get this. There's no way I can do it. She's a UI developer for Disney now. Oh, I know nice. that is. Okay. Yeah, so and and she she was going to quit because she wasn't getting good support from her team leader. And uh, and so she went to her boss and was like, "I'm done. I just can't deal with this people anymore." They gave her a raise and moved her to a different team. Wow. That's awesome. They're like, "We can't we can't lose you. You need to stay in this organization." And so not only is she, did she get her dream job, but then she converted her dream job into an even better position with for more pay. So I get I get all kinds in the boot camp, man. You you can't even imagine. And and the ones that you think are going to do good aren't always the ones who end up doing good. Yeah, okay. I, I can definitely relate with that. Um, I was beyond shocked whenever we did our introductions on the first day. We had like um, one guy was a, a database administrator who had a computer science degree already. Um, one person was a like marketing executive um, for like Comcast or something. Um, we had a girl that made the, uh, mascot heads at, uh, universal. Um, we had like somebody that was a current computer science student. So we had like everybody from all walks of life in the class. And you know, the person that struggled the most doing like JavaScript hangman was the database so, administrator that had like C++. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The dude had done like C++ <clears throat> back in his, uh, when he was getting his bachelor's, but was struggling to write JavaScript. So total. Yeah, that's interesting. Like you wouldn't even imagine. Yeah. A lot of people get set in their ways and they think they know what to expect. But look, by the time you hit week week three and we've gone through HTML, CSS, and we're now in JavaScript, even if you think you know something about those, you're lost. I mean, you're just trying to keep your head above water because yeah. you're going, wait, wait, they told me I have to do it this way. What the heck is a is a grid? We're doing websites. There's no grids and website. Yeah, okay. Keep watching. <laughs> yeah, uh, something else that you said kind of resonated with me when you're classifying the different types of students. Um, the one student that was like, I, I have to do this, and that was me. Um, I was working as a nurse, and I was not happy with it. Um, I could not picture myself 
uh, doing that job for the rest of my life. And so in the boot camp, I was like, this is my shot. Like, I can either do this or like suffer the rest of my life, basically. So everything went into, you know, doing well in the boot camp. So it was this, uh, this do or die mentality of like, yeah. it, it, I'm going to make it happen or I'm going to die trying. Right. Yes. Get rich or die trying, right? Yep. Um, yeah. <laughs> so the, uh, the thing about the boot camps, and since we're talking about boot camps, I will offer my humble opinion on boot camps. Yeah, um, please. I think you and I actually had a discussion somewhat, Lee, around, uh, around a, a review that, we, that you found um, that was for the program that I actually teach. Yes. And so I listened to the review, and I was not happy um, <laughs> just because I could give that same review for every boot camp I find on the Internet. Yes. And if uh, I remember the one thing that stuck out to me was he said, why would you go to a boot camp that doesn't give you a guarantee? Uh, and I thought, tell me one college in the United States. Give me just one university, one major university that guarantees you a job after completing your degree, which costs much more than this boot camp. One thousand percent. Uh, there's not a single university, there's not a single institution in the United States that will guarantee you a job because it's on you. If they guarantee you a job, then how much effort do you have to put in? There's like, I, I could just go through the motions. You guarantee me a job. Cool. I, I don't have to really try. I wouldn't yeah. want to hire that, that student. It's, you know, whether or not you do well is on you. I can't guarantee you anything. You make sure that you put in the effort. I'll help you. If you're willing to work hard, I'm willing to sweat right next to you. But don't come to me saying you got to guarantee me a job. I don't have to guarantee you nothing. I need to guarantee <laughs> that you're going to yawn when I tell my corny jokes. That's about the only <laughs> guarantee you're going to get. Yeah, there's there's definitely that subset of students that, uh, and you hope it's a subset, um, that just kind of like limp through the course and they, you know, are just going through the motions. They show up or, you know, maybe their attendance is even spotty. And they don't turn in the homework. They don't, you know, participate during the activities. And then when they come out the other side, they don't have positive things to say about the boot camp. And it's like, well, you didn't, you didn't put your half in. Yeah. How do you expect to have gotten anywhere, you know, from the boot camp? Right. That's why, especially as an in-class instructor, I put a lot of effort into reassuring the people who have the lowest level of confidence. So, um, I will invite someone up to the board to work out a problem that I know is capable, but doesn't think they are. So we'll, and I'll get them to the board and we'll stand at the board and they're just in shock. They can't write, they can't do anything. And so I'll talk in a really soft voice and I'll just begin to prompt what you're supposed to put on the board. That stuff Not would tell scare them the what crap to write. out of me. <laughs> right. Well, see, Eddie, you got away with it because you were your work was already above board. But if you remember, there were several students that were pretty weak in our class, yeah. but I would continually get them to be the ones to come to the board. Yeah. Because when you stand at the board and you put the solution, even if you had to be prompted, almost told what to write, if you had any any bit of that at all, was you putting it on the board? and you're done and you turn around the class claps that's the biggest boost you can get in a boot camp and where people are trying to do tech learn technical things and now everybody's clapping because you put the right thing on the board 
That's a huge boost. Eddie, did he uh, did he ever pick on you in class? No, no, uh, not for for that. I, maybe once. I don't, I don't really remember. <laughs> I think everybody hit the board at least once. Yeah, I remember being paranoid every time it came up. <laughs> oh come on, man! It's not that bad. No, so, I'm just that's uh, just my just that's just me. Oh, uh, that's your introvertedness. Yeah, yeah. If anyone listening to any of our episodes would understand why it would feel that way. Uh, but yeah. <laughs> I got you. <ya. laughs> imposter syndrome. So that's a huge, we find it in podcasting, right? Imposter syndrome. You get a guy who is phenomenally talented. You don't know how he's not already in radio as you're listening to his podcast. And then you talk to him outside of the podcast. And he's like, man, I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> really? Because <laughs> your podcast sounds like Joe Rogan, only without the three hours and the cussing. And I can't figure out how to get there, man. You got to help me. Um, so you, you, we experience that imposter syndrome in podcasting, but you also experience the imposter syndrome in the boot camp is like expert level. So you got guys that are at the end getting their certificate going, I have no idea how I did this. Yeah. And it's, it's just part of the journey. Right. Um, but I look at a guy like Eddie and say, oh my gosh, to go from what's a grid What's a row and a column? I mean, I kind of know Excel told me what a column is, but to go from that level to producing a fully functional e-commerce website in six months. Oh, my gosh, man. That's for an instructor. That's like win. I won that one. (laughs) Thank you. Didn't I didn't win them all, but I won that one. (laughs) Yeah. Um. <laughs> this has been Eddie a great is, episode. Uh, yeah, this is just like all that. Oh, it's just because I'm talking about you. You're gonna cut all that out, right, Lee? <laughs> no, no, no. I'll probably leave it in. No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, uh, so being an instructor, you kind of you have some wins here and there, and you know it's it's kind of an uphill battle. I feel um, because you're always fighting for the uh, the attention of the class. So, how do you um, how do you keep everybody like on task? in a classroom so in an in, in a boot camp scenario where you're only with them two or three hours a couple of nights a week um the hardest part is when you break into activities because that's when even even if people are are working with the end of the activity in mind even if that's the case sometimes it's easy to get distracted into researching exactly what the clear fix thing does, right? So when we're talking about floats and they're supposed to be, the activity is just put the stupid float in the corner. That's all you got to do. But you'll get people that are, that are so caught up on having to understand the why that now, I mean, it's not even like they're browsing Facebook. They're just reading Stack Overflow for the entire activity and never wrote a line of code. So in the classroom, it's, it's easy. You just walk around. So I know Eddie would always try and close his laptop when I would get behind him. But that's kind of true. Uh, so, so every once in a while, you know, being in that classroom, it's easy to inspire work because it's like being in school, man. You know, the instructor is going to be walking around. And, and in a boot camp, you would think it would be more along the lines of, uh, well, you paid a lot of money for this, so you you should probably be engaged. But th- 
I think about half the students, it's like somebody just told me I should do it and I qualified for the fun for the financing option. So I'm here. And oh, yeah. and you're like, why why would you waste this opportunity? Yeah. I mean, yeah. anyway, I don't get that. so keeping that engagement in the classroom is actually much easier because I can I can look at somebody, I can walk past your screen and watch you stare blankly at an empty page of no code and be like, okay, where are you at? Tell me, tell me what your thought process is right now. Well, that's my cursor, and that's where I'm at. <laughs> okay, cool. Well, what's the activity? Let's walk back through the instructions. There are prompts that you can that you can do in the classroom. Online, so I tell my students online, I'm I'm much more harsh with them in the first couple of weeks because it sets a tone. You know, you, you turned in an activity, you turned in your first week's homework and I found the exact same code online. You can't do that. Wow. Don't try and put this over on me. I've, this is my fourth class and I've been a coder forever. No two coders write the same lines of code. You will all name your variables different, name your functions different, do it differently. And most of you are going to screw it up. You're not going to do it perfect on the first try. So go back and redo your homework. And I'm really harsh with them. And what that does is that tells them that I care. I'm involved and I'm not going to let you get away with crap like that because I want you to succeed. And so sometimes that that's like the boot camp, like the military boot camp instructor coming out in me, right? That that sergeant who's always screaming. Um, I I I can draw on that attitude to let them know, you, you know, you're this is not high school. You're not in high school right now. I asked you to do an activity to accomplish the goal that you told me you wanted to accomplish. Now start typing and do it and get off Facebook. And that's, you know, you take that attitude early. And then as you're explaining, Eddie will tell you, um, through the course, I always talk about giving more than just the instruction. I want you to be successful in your interview. Here's some tips and some tricks. You can't sell your skill set because you don't have one. Even if you know this stuff, you just can't sell it. You have to sell yourself. You have to sell your ability to learn technology and contribute to a team in an increasing fashion over a given period of time, because that's what an employer is hiring in a junior developer. They're not hiring a skill set. They're hiring a person who's not going to stay a junior developer. Interesting. So um, kind of latching onto that, uh, I, I want to talk a little bit more about like why boot camps get such a bad rap. But as an instructor and as somebody that's kind of like watched a lot of you know, students fly from the nest and then go out there and, you know, hit the bricks and kind of search for jobs. Um, you're hundred percent right. Like it's not necessarily the hard skill set that they're looking for. Like, yes, you mm -hmm. need that aptitude, but there's a lot of soft skills and attitude that goes into, you know, what you're looking for in a developer as somebody that's hiring. And so Eddie will tell you like through the podcast, we've interviewed a lot of people that do hiring and, 100% of the time you ask them, Hey, what are you looking for in a developer? What are they going to say? Passion. Okay. <laughs> over and over yeah. and over again. No, you're yeah, I want to see here. somebody Sorry. who loves what they do. Yeah. 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 That was a softball to Eddie. And he was like, what? No. <laughs> so <laughs> wait, um, wait, let me get off Facebook. <laughs> yeah. Close Facebook, Eddie. Um, so, so yeah. Um, what, uh, what advice would you have for, cause there's a lot of bootcamp graduates and job seekers that listen to our show. 
Uh, what advice do you have for them for how to sell themselves and convince employers to give them that chance? You call it passion, but I would say be hungry and let them know you're hungry. Offer, counter offer everything. So when they say, well, we're really looking for somebody who's got, you know, two or three years of MySQL experience, counter that with, hey, I'll tell you what, let me build you a project doing these operations in MySQL so I can demonstrate to you. Uh, and maybe one of those is one you didn't learn through the boot camp, maybe a stored procedure, right? Um, then you can prove to them how fast you can learn how to do something effectively. Counter offer everything. And worst case scenario, they get it and they still don't hire you, right? But at least at that point, they know you're willing to do whatever it takes to get the position to move forward. The other thing I would say is let them know that you're hungry for a mentor. You want someone who is going to correct you when you're wrong and start you down the right path. Even if you can find that on on Orlando Devs uh, Slack, or if you could, if you can get in the community and and do the, for example, the alumni meetups for the boot camp, um, those are great. But that's not a relationship with an experienced developer who can point you in the right direction instead of letting you waste an hour on Google trying to hone your Google Ninja skills. Those are the two things I think that are the most, and even today. As a, as a senior dev, as a guy who's been in web for seven years, but can also draw on, you know, 10 or 15 years of development experience outside of the web, I still, to, to, to this day, get calls for positions that I don't have skills listed for because they feel like because of my background, I've got a demonstrated ability to come to speed on technology quickly. And they would rather have that in someone who's passionate than have 10 years experience in the technology and somebody who's just warm, warming the seat. Those, I think, are the, are the two biggest things. Yeah, I've, I've consistently been surprised uh, now that I've started my career in development that I get offers from recruiters and you know, hiring managers and stuff like, hey, come work for us. We're using you know, XYZ tech stack. And I'll go, well, all my experience is in ABC. Yeah, but you'll pick it up, you know, no big deal. So, um, it like, like I said, the aptitude has to be there. Like you have to have some kind of knowledge, but it's not like you need to be expert level on a certain technology. Absolutely. Yeah. And I think, so I, I've kind of transitioned my thought process into more of a leadership role, right? I don't, I don't apply for dev roles as much. Um, in fact, I, I haven't applied for a dev role in years. Um, I, I'm focused on my career track in leadership positions. And so my, my heart right now is I want to show a, a company how passionate I am about training up those dev, those junior devs. Uh, and, and in not necessarily that I'm the expert on the technology they're trying to learn, but that I can help them get there in a shorter amount of time than if they try and do it on their own. I decided that I wasn't going to be a dev when the people on my team were going home and spending an extra eight hours researching the latest languages and the latest frameworks. So they work eight hours at, at work and then go home and do that for another eight hours. And that's just not me, man. I'm, I'm married and I got four kids. I'm lucky if I get 
15 minutes to myself. <laughs> I can't go home and spend eight hours on the internet looking up, you know, what the brand new Go language does. I, I'll do a little research and I'll hear some chatter on the Slack and I'll, I'll, uh, I'll watch a video or two. And cool, if we decide to use Go at my where I'm at now, then I look forward to it. But I'm not going to spend, you know, two months in my extra time building out a project just to do it. It's just not who I am. But I can help that kid that is doing that put that effort in the right place. And that's my that's my goal now. Yeah. And, the, you know, you don't have to put in another eight hours or even like three hours every night as a developer towards learning the latest and greatest whatever. It's like you said, you know, hone the skills that you need for the job that you're doing. Um, you don't have to learn everything and you can't learn everything that's out there. And you can't right. learn every new thing that's coming out. So like as front end developers, like Svelte is all of a sudden getting a lot yeah. of attention, but I'm not going to sit down and learn Svelte because, <laughs> you know, people can say it's the hottest, greatest, best thing, but I don't care because I use, you know, a different technology at work. So it's not relevant to me. And that's a waste right. of time for me to learn Svelte when I could be learning things to improve myself for the job that I am doing, which is, you know, working with um, Vue. So maybe I would look up uh, the new Vue um, framework that's coming out. So version yeah, three is coming. Three. So I may spend a little bit of time looking at that and see like what changes and what business value can I bring to the code base that I'm on versus like what weird, fun, fruity, popular, whatever skill <laughs> or language is like, you know, trending on Reddit, you know, instead of investing my time there. I, I worked um, for a short time, uh, a one-year contract with um, with Electronic Arts. Uh, I guess I can say that. I can say their name, I hope. Um, I don't see why they, not, unless you have some so, kind of weird NDA or something. No, no, not at all. <laughs> um, so they did a very cool thing. They invested heavily in the developer. And when I say invested in the, in the developer, they would dedicate time during the day on projects to go and research the tech stack for the next project. And it would be kind of a, Hey, go see what's out there. What is the best thing that we can do coming up? And so each web application project had a different tech stack. When they hired me on, they needed a PHP guy. Um, and that actually transitioned in just a year. I transitioned all the way to writing Java backend stuff. Not a lot. I didn't like it wasn't like it was expert level in Java, but it was what I needed to do to get the job done uh, at, at the end of that contract. So um, but I wasn't their average hire like they wouldn't have hired me except for I convinced them to take a chance. And uh, they, they normally hire guys like right out of college, um, young guys. They want, you know, if you don't have tattoos and wear flip flops then you're probably <laughs> not going to get the job. Uh, <laughs> but they they. um they did. They took a chance on me. I sold myself to EA and and they bought it. Um, was I the most productive developer on the team? No, I was constantly playing catch up because every project introduced a new technology. But I tell you what, man, it was the most some of the most valuable experience I've ever had in being flexible to the right technology for the right project. And if you can put that in place, oh my gosh, you're you're moving towards senior leadership at that point. If you can be able to say, here's the tech stack for this project and this is why. 
Oh my gosh, man. That's, that is a prime skill for intermediate to advanced or senior level devs. That makes sense. Uh, um, how'd you convince them? <laughs> yeah. Did you the have same, a, did you have a the say same on... way I told you guys just sell yourself, man? Look, okay. No, I'm not an expert. So for me, it was uh angular. I had never worked with angular before and I convinced them to let me do a project in angular. So they gave me three days and they wanted me to create a Spotify API interface. So where you could search and then get the listings and then you could save the listings in a separate database. Um, I had never worked with any of that. The only thing I had done was PHP, JavaScript, HTML, a little bit of jQuery, and Dojo was the only front-end framework that I knew. If you ever hear somebody say they have a project in Dojo, just punch them in the face and <laughs> run away. It is the worst framework, front-end framework ever created. Anyway, so I convinced them, let me do this project for you. In three days, I turned around this project. I wasn't employed at the time, so I spent every hour, every minute of the day for the next three days trying to crank out this project. And I think I got it to them at like 4 p.m. on the third day. Wow. And, uh, and they looked at it. And they decided, okay, he did it. And they offered me the job. And then in, in, the, in my onboarding, my team leader said, we took a chance on you, so I'm watching you over these next few weeks. Wow. Kind of like, if, if you don't get this right now, <laughs> then doesn't, it doesn't mean just because I hired you right now, it doesn't mean you're still going to be here in a month. Wow. So, and that's how I approached that whole contract. It was kind of understood that they weren't, they weren't going to convert me after the year because I'm just, like I said, I'm not their target, but it was an amazing experience. And those guys were all fantastic, really talented, really creative and smart uh, developers to work with some, some people. Oh, and to get an, a handle on how agile is supposed to look in a company, not just, Hey, well, we do it a little different. All we do is a stand up. No, <laughs> EA is like, died in the wool, sold out for agile. So everything you do has an agile focus. The stand-up, the they do the retrospectives, they do the the planning. You you get to a point where you say, okay, I commit. I'm going to complete all these tasks in the next sprint. Like you have to actually say, I commit. Oh really? To do this. <laughs> yeah. So it's, yeah, yeah, it's total, but you know what? It works really well. And all they care about is get your story points done. There was guys that would show up at 10 and leave at three and get all their story points done. So as long as the project is progressing in a way that they're happy with, they didn't care about time. I thought that was the coolest thing I'd ever seen. Yeah, that's, that's impressive. Cool. Um, so you, you touched on a kind of an interesting topic there, which was, um, ageism in technology so you you kind of mentioned that these guys that you're working with are like wearing flip-flops maybe they got like man buns <laughs> um they're wearing t-shirts and have like dollar store shades or whatever uh they show up at 10 and leave at three uh totally different from you know somebody that's like former military and right like very professional um oh no dude i'm still i today i told them uh i went to work for a nonprofit and um and I told them one of the only ways I would take the job was if they let me wear cargo shorts and polos and flip flops every day. <laughs> <laughs> well, you have you at least got the spirit of uh, the EA workplace, I guess. But uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, are you um, as somebody that's been in tech for a long time? 
Uh, are you concerned with being, you know, like getting older and not being able to get a job because you're not a young person anymore? No, that doesn't really bother me. The thing that the thing that bothers me more than that is this idea that some places get this idea that that you have nothing to share with them that they've not already heard. And that's not that's where I feel like that's one of the things that I shine in. Okay, so no, I may not be able to sit down and code a for loop faster than this guy over here who's munching Doritos and drinking Mountain Dew. That's okay. I'm, I'm all right with him being faster than me because I can tell you that the for loop you just made, you could have done with the jQuery for each and just put it on the front end. Now, it would have been slower for me to do it, but he doesn't have the experience to say, this is something I can hand off to the front end to reduce processing power on the server side. And here's something that I have to do on the server side because it requires processing power and learning things, you know, that experience to say, you know, when we should go this way and when we should go that way, that is to me is extremely invaluable. Of course, I say that because that's part of what I sell about me. Um, if, a, if an organization doesn't value that or if an organization says, I'd rather have the kid who can crank out something that works in 30 minutes than the guy who's going to spend an hour figuring out what the best approach is and make the most efficient thing inside of three hours. Well, okay. I can't help you with your approach to, uh, are you doing the best thing for your application? But I can help you when it comes to, um, understanding how to, to create that functional, you know, when is it good to spend more time researching and when is it good to just make it work and move on to the next thing? So that kind of experience level when companies don't appreciate that experience, that devalues me in the workplace. And so that causes me more consternation than, you know, not having neck tattoos and a motorcycle. <laughs> that that doesn't bother me at all. At EA, we had this guy who, um, first time I met him, I, I nearly uh, needed a new pair of pants. And this is from a guy who spent seven years in the infantry. So this dude comes walking on the floor and he's wearing this. Um, leather jacket and hardcore motorcycle boots and jeans. And he's carrying his helmet and he's bald and he's got this big goatee and tattoos all over his head and his neck and down his arms. And I'm like, what are you doing in a development environment? Like I, I couldn't get my head around it. And he starts to talk and he's from Canada. <laughs> so he, he's like, everything's a boot. And, uh, and A, and just the nicest guy I I think I met at EA, like the most chill, relaxed, laid back dude at EA. I followed him down to the parking lot one day. We were going to get lunch and he puts on his helmet and he gets on a scooter. <laughs> no, he, stop it. Really? Yeah. <laughs> not not so a motorcycle, a but a scooter. He, he, he had a scooter, but he also had a 1200 Harley. So he had ridden the scooter that day and I'm like, dude really he's like yeah it's raining i like this one better in the rain <laughs> wow <laughs> but just the sweetest nicest guy i would never call him sweet to his face but yeah uh, just a really nice kind of a gentle guy but he's all if you looked at him man you you might think i'm not in the right place i need to i need to get out of here <laughs> yeah some uh some poor life decisions ended up with me face to face with this monster but uh <laughs> <laughs> right um, right and there's and there's actually no alcohol involved yeah yeah exactly have you run kind of a foul of not being able to find 
uh, positions that are kind of looking for experience and leadership? Or do you think that those positions are in abundance and there's just like not many people looking for them or what, what's your kind of feeling on that? That's, that's a fair question. I, I feel like those positions are out there. Uh, a lot of companies are spending too much time trying to promote a junior into a senior spot before they're ready instead of going to the marketplace to find, you know, guys like me who uh, I had a contracting background for about five years before and before I taught my first class, I was actually still contracting then. Uh, so I've been around a lot of places. I've seen how a lot of people operate. Um, a lot of people would look at that background and say, wait, 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 you've worked in three different organizations in three years. Well, yeah, I'm a contractor. That's what I do. Well, we're looking for somebody who's looking for more full-time work. Well, I will do full-time work for full-time money. I mean, you just need to, if you pay me the right thing, you'll have my loyalty. Uh, the, the, the issue is in technology, specifically in Orlando, because the, the startup mentality has invaded. And so all of these technology groups in Orlando are just all about, hey, let's do something quick and get it out fast and make a bunch of money. And then we'll all go somewhere else in like three years. And so this, this idea of, I don't want somebody who wants to invest in my company, who wants to grow with my company. I want somebody that can help me make my money now and then we'll all get rich and you can go do something else when you're done here. That's just not, that's not um, contributing to the industry. Contributing to the industry is, you know, you see an employee who's busting their butt, who's got four kids, to use myself as an example, who's got four kids and is still going home at night doing extra work, trying to find the next thing that's going to make the app a little bit better and is investing in your company. And then you turn around and invest in them. That's what's missing. There's the loyalty of the employee to the company has kind of gone away, but it's because the loyalty of the company to the employee has been gone much longer. Hmm. Yeah, that's a, that's an interesting way to look at it. Um, there's a lot of griping that goes on in the Orlando community specifically about like, oh, well, you won't hire juniors, but then you don't want to pay for seniors. And there's kind of like this weird uh, situation where nobody's happy, yeah. I guess. <laughs> yeah, because they think they think it's Silicon Valley and you've got guys that are coming out of, you know, whatever Ivy League school. They're just looking for something to put on their resume and they're brilliant. They all test 175 IQ. And so they write your app in like a year. But this isn't Facebook, bro. <laughs> I mean, you're not in Silicon Valley. You need to deal with what you got. And if you want something that's going to that's going to last, how many developers have left Facebook and burned them on the way out? I mean, how many exploits for Facebook have come from developers who felt like they were burned out while they worked there? Quite a few, actually. So it, even if you can produce the Facebook environment, you're not going to get any loyalty out of that. It's just not their model. Right. Yeah. Facebook itself was like a PHP CRUD app or something, right? So it wasn't, yeah. it wasn't like, you know, obviously React didn't exist back then. So yeah. right. uh, it was like one guy wrote it in whatever the flavor of the month, like tried and true technology was. So, um, that ha PHP happened to be the thing at the time. So that's what he wrote it in. And it, right. it's just a crud app. So, um, it was kind of like one part having the skills, one part having the idea at the right place at the right time kind of thing. Um, which is funny because their API is actually still garbage. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Makes sense. Um, yeah, you, you can't, uh, you can't make the same, 
lightning strike twice, you know, and then bottle it and then kind of reproduce it at scale. Yeah. Uh, the, those companies kind of are doing their own thing and it was kind of a unique situation that landed them there. So, yeah. um, I'll, I'll tell you where I find my, where I find my, uh, my fulfillment in this industry today. It's not in, um, building apps. It's getting to the point where just about anybody can build an app. My fulfillment comes from the teaching because I can put my DNA into, you know, 22 or 24 students at a time. And, and maybe 10 of those are going to go out into the industry and they're going to go, you know what? Howard was right. He said that it was going to be hard and that I had to sell myself. And that's exactly what happened. So for me, that's where I get my fulfillment. It's not, not, not just in being right, but in kind of impressing that DNA on the next, on the next generation of coders. And then to get them to take that approach with the coders that come behind them, because that's how the industry will grow in, in a, in a way that's beneficial to both developers and to organizations is when we start investing ourselves and the people that we work with, the people that come behind us, and then they turn around and do the same. That's how we're going to make the industry better. Yeah, a hundred percent. Um, and boot camps themselves kind of to circle back, get a lot of flack and a lot of, not to make a bad pun about the military or anything, but um, they get a they get a bad rap um, <laughs> because of these people that like limp into the boot camp and you know it's a a private institution so they pay a bunch of money and then they don't put the time and the effort in and they come out and go like oh it didn't work you know I didn't become a programmer well you didn't try you know you didn't give it your all you didn't give your hundred percent. Yeah, so go tell mom and dad you own the money back <laughs> and go back to the basement. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, overall, uh, it, it's it's kind of a contract that you have to make with yourself. It, you know, the boot camp's not going to give you a guarantee. And if they did, like, what what would it be worth? You know, you just like a college, you've got to go out and improve your own skills and market yourself and become the professional that a company wants to hire. Yeah. You know, boot camp can't put you in a classroom and make you that you have to do that for yourself. So, um, that became apparent to me after many years of being an adult, like outside of school and working and being in jobs and having to show up on time and, you know, being reliable and, and learning all those life lessons. But, um, that's the kind of stuff that's going to get you where you need to go. Not just, can I make an app in 30 minutes? Absolutely. I, so that girl that I was talking about who is, has her dream job now, but was ready to quit. I've had her in to speak to two separate classes and say, you know, if you feel like you're, you're getting ready to give up, don't give up because I was there and now I'm here. And she even now has a PowerPoint that she brings with her and she wears her shirt for the organization and brings her PowerPoint. And when she talks to my class, it's just an inspirational thing. Um, not, for them to see, okay, maybe I can do this. Um, and, and for her, it's an inspirational thing because it's, it's a good for her to look back at where she was and see where she is now. That's cool. Cool. So, uh, Howard, we're going to move into, uh, what we like to call nerd Bennett, but before we do, is there anything that, uh, you'd like to plug for yourself or, uh, you know, any information that you want to share website, Twitter, or anything like that? Um, I will, I will plug the ACE report. 
um, the ACE Report is a podcast that I do with veterans. So if if you're a military veteran or you're married to a military veteran um, and you're you're working through technology as well, um, we don't talk about technology on the podcast, but we do talk about some of the challenges that we face in the civilian world. So if you're a veteran, then check out the ACE Report. That's at uh, theacereportpodcast.com. Uh, also, that's our handle on all the social medias, the Ace Report. Um, so you can find us everywhere there uh, under the Ace Report, and it's got a green military-looking logo to it. But uh, but check that out if you're if you're a veteran or if, or if you're uh, close to a veteran, um, take a listen, and you might learn something that you didn't know. Cool, cool. Um, we will link to that on the show notes uh, for for this show. Thanks. Um, so yeah, at the end of every show, we do a little segment called Nerd Minute, where we talk about comics, movies, video games, books, whatever you're into. So uh, Howard, you're the guest. What have you been into lately? Dude, I am salivating at the mouth for Disney+. Plus. <laughs> really? <I'm, laughs> I am like ready. Look, they took The Simpsons off of Hulu already. Oh, really? So there's only season 30 and 31 on Hulu. And I was on, I was walking my kids through it. You know, it's The Simpsons. It's a rite of passage, right? So I was walking my kids through The Simpsons. We were on like season four. Boom. It's all gone. It's all. <laughs> it, it's only those last two seasons. But it's going to be on Disney+. Plus. So I was screaming at the television tonight. <laughs> um, I, I'm super stoked for Endgame to hit Disney+, Plus in December, because my wife has not watched any of the uh, Infinity War series. So we're going to watch back-to-back Infinity War and then Endgame. Cool. Um, and I, that's just going to be an amazing time. So. Yeah. Uh, I, I nerd out on all the Marvel stuff. Um, and oh, right now, kind of jumping gears, I'm totally hooked on Brawlhalla. Have you played this game? Oh, is that the iOS game? It might be on iOS, but I'm playing it on Xbox One. It is okay. So, you know, Super Smash Brothers. Yeah. Yes. Right. Okay, so it's basically Super Smash Brothers. Oh, okay. I'm thinking, it's uh, I'm thinking you know one else. screen and you're and you're jumping and fighting each other and trying to kill each other and anyway. So, but it's like 2D. It's a 2D fighter, if you mm-hmm. will. So, uh, but it's all it's all on one screen and it's not split screen or anything. Anyway, so the really cool thing about Brawlhalla is they have characters. They've licensed characters from all kinds of stuff. Like they've got Thor in there. The rock? They've got the the rock, right? Wait, what? They've got um yeah, so you can be all these and they're little cartoonish versions of those characters, but it is so much freaking fun, dude. I mean, it's like couch play, right? Um when you just or if you remember um there was a Fusion Frenzy on Xbox when it first came out. It was just fun to play in party mode with your friends. Um, uh, okay. This game is like stinking amazing and it's on all these platforms it's on xbox and playstation and pc you can get it on steam um it's just so much fun to play man i catch myself going i gotta stop this i gotta (laughs) do something else (laughs) yeah i'm checking it out on steam now it's uh it looks like it's it's like a freemium thing where you uh you can play for free but then you can buy i guess characters okay yes so you can uh, so it's not a pay to win it's a pay to unlock and you don't even have to pay to unlock if you continue to play the online free-for-all mode you continue to earn gold and then you use um gold to unlock 
the various characters. It takes a while. It's it takes it's probably, you know, eight to ten hours of play to get enough gold to unlock a character. Um I just unlocked um I just unlocked Thor and he's he's BA, dude. I'm telling you. <laughs> Lightning hammer and everything is a lot of fun. Um this game is like my my daughters who are actually have much better hand eye coordination than I do. We sit down and play and we just talk trash the whole time. <laughs> so much fun. That's awesome. It's like uh, every yeah. character. Eddie and I'll have to check this out. Huge. Where'd you find yeah. a? Uh, can you can you go over a list of some of the characters if you got it pulled up? Eddie? I don't. I'm just looking at Google Images. I'm seeing Hellboy and a whole bunch of yep. WWE guys. Um, yeah. Rayman's yeah. in there. Um, Hulk Hogan, he's probably trademarked, but I don't think Hulk Hogan's in there yet, but they're licensing people like all the time about, it seems like about once a month, they introduce new characters. Randy Savage. I don't know. Now you got me curious to see a list of all the, all the characters. I I would be, I would buy Macho Man, Randy Savage. You you take my money. (laughs) I'll I'll play as Macho Man. (laughs) I clicked on a uh, big, on a picture of like a whole group of people, but it just took me to the website. That's cool though. Uh, maybe we can jump on a stream or something. And play. Yeah. You've been saying that and Dude. it hasn't happened. We're supposed to play <laughs> rocket <laughs> league and that never happened. Uh, yeah, fair enough. I'm like <laughs> the single player Seriously? person that doesn't like jump on the multiplayer bandwagon and, uh, I'll just like sit down and play through a campaign or something in my downtime. They got, um, Ember from, uh, uh, Ember the Elf from uh, I can't remember the name of the video game series. They have um, let's see, uh, Caspian, Artemis. Uh, so those are kind of more general characters. Rayman, of course. Um, Thor, I already mentioned. Oh, come on now, that's not the whole list. <laughs> Is it? Okay, so it's is it like Norse Thor or is it like Marvel Comics Thor? It's Norse Thor licensed by Marvel Comics. So they're all they're all these like he's got a beard and he's got the helmet that Thor wears in the movie. He's got the, the right helmet and the beard and he's got Mjolnir. Um and the other one is the axe, and I can't remember the name of it off the top of my head. So I'm Stormbreaker. Stormbreaker. So he's got Stormbreaker and Mjolnir in the game. So there's just, I mean, there's a ton of Bodvar, which is a, another Norse god. Um, gosh. Bren, <laughs> Hattori, Lin Fei, which is a character from uh one of the one of the fighters one of the early fighters um oh my gosh it's just so much stuff dude <laughs> that's cool i'm probably well, uh, gonna check it out yeah we'll have to we'll have to jump on that um eddie you'll probably look through it and see stuff that you're like oh he didn't tell me it was that <laughs> <laughs> maybe uh eddie you ended anything lately um i saw um john wick three over the weekend okay it's Seriously? really good did you like it's, it yeah it's really good it's better than the second one <laughs> okay yeah, what i thought it was better than the second one i the first one's like okay. a, a perfect action movie but um 
the the third ones uh the beginning the first like 20 minutes of that movie are insane he uses a horse okay. as a weapon. <laughs> I I remember that part. That was impressive. That sounds like uh, John Wick. Yeah. yeah, that that sounds it's correct. Insane. He is a maniac. Yeah. It's really good. Uh, yeah, John Wick is uh, like the action movie series. I feel like the uh, guilty pleasure, I guess, of our time. Kind of like they used to be big in like the eighties and nineties. You'd have like all these Van Damme movies and. Sylvester Stallone and Arnold Schwarzenegger and all that stuff. And we just don't get that kind of thing anymore. We get like Marvel movies and then we get like Jason Bourne, John Wick kind of stuff. Yeah. Well, I guess. Uh, Hobbs and Shaw. So my son was arguing with me the other night. He's like, um, uh, the best Fast and Furious movie was the first one. I said, no, the best Fast and Furious movie was Hobbs and Shaw because it doesn't have Vin Diesel or... (laughs) Guy I was gonna dead. say Tokyo Drift. That, that's my uh, Tokyo Drift yeah. was good, but because Tokyo Drift is loosely what the Need for Speed was, what it came out was based on was kind of that Tokyo Drift era, Fast and Furious, the one with the legends. Okay, uh, it I, was. I think it was two revs ago. They loosely based it on the Fast and Furious um, Tokyo Drift. Uh, okay, movie. okay. But yeah, I also yeah, saw to- Hobbs and Shaw this weekend. Which was is, that good? That, it was fun. Yet. It's it's no John Wick, but uh, it, it was fun. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like John Wick is what Jack Reacher should have been. Oh, yeah, kind of. It's just there's a, a level of uh, like uh, I don't know, like it looks. It it's really intense. Like all the action scenes are really intense, and that's kind of like an element that's missing from those movies. Um, gotcha. But yeah, that's cool. Do- more dogs in this one. <laughs> if, if <you> like <laughs> True, of course. A so. uh, lot of lot of dog action. Yeah, and lots of twists uh, with, uh, in the story. Was it Holly Berry? That's yeah, it? yeah. Those are a couple of things that I didn't expect because I don't watch trailers anymore. So it's nice to be surprised. Wait, wait, wait! Action, violence, and Holly yeah. Berry. And she kicks right. a lot of butt. I know what I'm doing this weekend. <laughs> yeah, Holly Berry, uh, she has a couple of attack dogs that she has trained. Yeah. And so, like, okay. they get into this big shootout, and the dogs have, like, Kevlar yeah. on. So uh, she, like, does dog, you know, like, commands and stuff, like, whistles and clicks and stuff. And the dogs are, like, taking out bad guys and yeah. stuff while they're in this gunfight, which is kind of way over the top. Yeah. Um, no a, <laughs> not not for john wick yeah yeah so <laughs> if john wick wasn't enough like the, that plus john wick doing what he does yeah uh, wow pretty awesome that's pretty cool so uh the only thing that i've got um for nerd minute is uh i beat the first borderlands game <laughs> finally how'd you like that uh, so i'm about f- uh, 15 years late to that party um <laughs> i was gonna say the one that came out in like what 2014 or excuse me 2004 2005 yeah that one <laughs> i've got uh red dead Re- redemption um on my shelf the first one the first oh, wow. one yeah i'm hoping that my xbox lives long enough for me to take it out of the shrink wrap uh so I remember playing Red Dead Redemption in Iraq in 2007. Wow. Oh. Yeah, I was in uh, college when it came out. So um, <laughs> it's been, I, I got a big backlog. Yeah, what can so I say? do I, though. <laughs> it's uh, the pile of shame is immense. Do you see so. the Rockstar released their own like 
uh, launcher for PC. So uh, yeah, I don't know if that means maybe they're going to, if that means Red Dead 2 will be on PC at some point. I would hope. Yeah. But uh, they only increase their market share by opening up to other platforms. Yeah. So makes sense. You would think like a game series as beloved of that as that would be released on multiple platforms. But um, yeah, I'm, I'm kind of at the point with uh, games that I need to play where I'll, <laughs> I'll buy the game. And by the time I actually play it, the remastered version has come out. <laughs> and so I end up playing the remastered version. The game of the year edition. Yeah. No, beyond the game of the year, like the game of the year remastered version. <laughs> so like um, <laughs> it's happened with Borderlands. So I got the, uh, the remastered. Um, Dark Souls just came out with like a remastered one. Uh, what else? Uh, that one where you play as a, uh, um, the Horseman of the Apocalypse. Oh, uh, Darksiders. Darksiders. Yeah. So that came out with that, a remastered that edition. That third one was. I haven't played that free yet. So. This, oh, I guess last month now. Um, if you have PS Plus. Okay. So. Yeah. So I look at my Steam like library, and I just see like remastered pop up and i'm like oh man i really gotta play yeah. that game <laughs> that first game is really good yeah like, i heard it's, it's kind of like Z- it's zelda ish you like zelda so you probably like that the second one's not as zelda ish as as the first one cool so, uh, well uh yeah i think we can uh we can wrap it yep. up there um so yeah howard thank you so yeah, so thanks. much for coming this on the show cool. we uh we had a blast having yeah you. I- I really enjoyed it. I got, I liked, um, I like getting to say how great a teacher I was to have a good student. <laughs> here's proof positive, yeah. right? Here's, here's your student working in the field. So yeah, unless you don't like Eddie, in which case forget all of that. <laughs> cool. Well, uh, thanks for coming on the show, Howard. Yeah. Thanks for having me. It was great. Thanks. Thanks for listening to tech junior. Head on over to our site at techgr.dev for show notes and past episodes. While you're there, click subscribe. You get an email from us once a week with the latest episode and some other goodies. Uh, please follow us on Twitter at TechGR Podcast. You can follow me at Lee Warwick Jr. and Eddie at ED0TER0. That's uh, Ed Otero with zeros for the O's. Uh, join us next week. We're going to be talking to Anna Bell, who is a instructor at MIT and teaches their intro to programming class, uh, which is pretty cool. Uh, Anna has a book out um, from Manning Publications, Uh, that's all about learning to program and so we talked to her about uh, lessons learned as an instructor and how she can uh, really reach the students that are coming into her class with no former knowledge so it was a really good uh, great show and we hope you enjoy that and that will be out next wednesday uh, which is the 4th of december also uh, keep your eyes peeled or i guess your ears open Uh, We're going to be giving away a lot of stuff uh, in the the coming uh, weeks and months. Um, People have reached out with uh, a lot of um, courses and books and and all kinds of good stuff. And we're going to give that to you. So uh, watch our Twitter and jump on our email list and you can sign up to, to get a chance to win some of that cool stuff. So stay tuned. All right. That's all the shilling I got this week. Uh, I will see y'all next week. Uh, Have a good one. Bye.